I'm so happy to be here. I think that God's going to uh, share something with us, something super special. I think that God has a word for us. If you're here for your first time, I'm so happy you're here. I want us to expect that God's going to show up, that he's going to do something special tonight. I think something can happen when we have some expectation that God will do something amazing. I think when we plug in our faith to maybe a normal Wednesday, maybe you just got off work, maybe you just left a stressful day at school, maybe you're trying to figure out where you're going next. But I think if we plug our faith into something, instead of letting it be passive, I think God can do something amazing. So through this word, I'm hoping that God would just speak to us, help us find Jesus and what we're about to talk about. That's what in the series what we're talking about right now. It's called Finding Jesus. And we've been talking about it for a couple weeks and we will be for a couple more weeks leading up to Easter. And so what we're going to be talking about tonight is finding Jesus in faithfulness, finding Jesus in fruitfulness, excuse me, fruitfulness. And we're going to be looking at John 15, John 15, verses 1 through 8, John 15, verses 1 through 8. And it says in John 15, verses 1 through 8, we could throw it up. It says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You already know you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. No branch, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you Bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. A part of me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire to be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In verse eight says, this is this. Uh, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What we're going to title this and what we're going to talk about for the next couple of minutes is God's fruitfulness. Where, where can we find God in fruitfulness? And talking about how if we abide, if we remain, if we stay in Jesus, if we stay with Christ, then we will bear much fruit. And what does that look like for our lives today? Will you guys pray with me? God, we love you so much. We're asking that you would do what we can't do. God, that you would open ears, you would open our hearts. Jesus, that we would see you above all else. That we would stop looking at mountains and start looking at you. That we would notice how big, how beautiful, how real you are. How much you care, how active you are in our lives. Jesus, we need you in this moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here with us. God, we love you so much. We're asking that we continue to live, look, and love more like you, Jesus, today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So as we talk about this story, about this little passage, this story that Jesus is talking about, one word you might have noticed that Jesus mentioned a lot in these just couple of verses, remain. Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, remain in my word, remain, remain, remain. And one, that's the one word that stuck out to me as I was reading this passage, as we were about to talk about this tonight. And one word that I think is very essential to what Jesus is talking about during, during this entire story. He's talking about remaining and what essentially he's talking about. He's saying that you need to abide, you need to stay, you need to never leave, you need to keep still right where you are if you're in me. 
And Jesus is saying it so much because I think that it's such an important thing for us to focus on before we can move any further in this passage. That Jesus is saying that we need to remain, we need to stay, we don't need to depart, we need to stay exactly where we are if we want to bear fruit. If we're trying to be fruitful in Christ, if we're trying to be who we're supposed to be, if we're trying to move forward, if we're trying to live the purpose that God called us to live, I think that it is necessary that we abide, remain, and stay in Jesus. And with that, Jesus is talking about that there is no circumstance on which you should ever leave me or I should ever leave you. I don't know if you guys have ever been lost before, but I've been lost before. And not talking like a, like a, like a existential crisis lost. I'm talking about like physically lost. As I was a kid, um, we, uh, I'm one of seven kids, so there's just a bunch of people in my family. And as we were growing up, um, I remember we went to this uh, like amusement park one time. I don't remember what it was, like King's Dominion or Disneyland or something like that. And we go to this amusement park, and then all of a sudden, my dad's like, obviously so many kids around us, we have to figure out, like, you guys follow you. We got to make sure that no one gets lost in this theme park. It's the scariest thing probably for a parent for a kid. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, guess who gets lost? So me, I'm following my parents. I'm trying to make sure that I don't get lost. And all of a sudden, I realize <laughs> that, that uh, I must be looking at, like, Mickey or something like that. And all of a sudden, I realize I look up and I don't recognize anyone around me, right? And I'm like, oh, snap. I'm like four. I'm like, oh, snap. And I'm like, okay, well, this probably ain't the best situation I'm supposed to be in. And I was like, immediately, as, as all four years do, I just start crying, right? Freaking out. And so I freak out. All of a sudden, this like nice lady who works at the restaurant like pulls me in. And she's like, oh, my gosh, honey, are you good? Are you good? And I'm like, oh, what's happening? And I'm like freaking out, right? And then all of a sudden I realized, I was like, yo, there was, a, there was a simple rule that I forgot that I didn't listen to, that I wasn't paying attention to as I was going with my father throughout this trip, is that he asked me to stay with him, and the thing I didn't do was stay with him. The thing that I was supposed to do, the one thing that was supposed to keep me safe, I started taking my eyes off of that one thing that I was supposed to follow, the one thing I was supposed to remain in, abide in, stay with, and then all of a sudden, as soon as I took my eyes off of that thing, guess where I found myself? So I realized in that situation, looking back, that there was a simple principle that I broke that got me lost. And I, I was thinking about how that applies to us today and, and how a lot of us really need to come back, maybe come back to or refresh our understanding of what it means to remain, abide, or stay with Jesus. And I think that if we could sum this whole thing up, it would just be remain in Christ. Remain in him and he will remain in us. And I think that we live in a culture of fads, of, of really quick success, or, if, or like if... if let, let Netflix not buffer, right? Let it load real slow, and then all of a sudden, that's not the show we're watching anymore, right? Or all of a sudden, this, this recipe takes a little bit longer than what we thought. Or all this, I think if you really want to test somebody's patience, see who they are, just give them slow Wi-Fi and see what happens. And I think that if we do that, like, it's just who we are. We're going to get slow Wi-Fi. Our dad is going to run out. We're going to have no more G. And all of a sudden, we go crazy. I think that's just like the culture we're in. We get, we're streaming everything. We're in a microwave culture. We want things real quick. But the issue with that is that's not the way that God always works, right? That's not the way that God works. And so when we're looking at this passage, I think when we see the word remain, it might kind of terrify some of us or it might at least make us a little scared on what does that mean to remain in God? And I think sometimes if we're honest, we don't really want to be better. We just want to feel better. 
We're not really trying to, to live, look, and love like Jesus. We just want the perks or maybe the, 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 the success that comes with following Jesus. We don't really want the situation to get better or the relationship to be reconciled. We just want it to stop being painful anymore. I don't think oftentimes we're really searching for Jesus. We're just searching for a painkiller. And when we're looking at all these things and when we're talking about remaining and abiding in Jesus, I think it's so important that we're not just trying to dull the symptoms, but we're trying to deal with the source. And what the source of the issue is, is that it's not even necessarily the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I believe that. I don't think it's necessarily that we find ourselves in a bad situation. I think we might've just found ourselves taking our eyes off of Jesus. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, that's when we find ourselves in a bad situation. As soon as I took my eyes off of my father, I found myself lost. I think that we, we live in this culture of fads. We live in this culture where we want things really quick. We want success. We want our results really quick. And as soon as something takes just a little bit longer than what we thought it should take or what we anticipated it to take, we think that it's not worth it anymore. I think that Jesus is speaking to a really bad habit of humanity that desires to use God instead of love God. That he's saying it's, it's not about you just doing your church duties or you just doing what you think you should do for your religious activity or you cleansing your conscience with all these religious practices. But Jesus is saying that it's not about doing those things. It's about remaining in me. And I think it goes against the culture that we might live in. And I think it, it was true back in the day in, 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 in Jesus' time. And I think it's true now that it's not about just trying to use God to get what we think we need. But it's about going to God because he is the thing that we need. I don't want us to use God in case of emergencies. Like, like a fire extinguisher. All of a sudden, we use him when we need something from him. But as long as we don't need something from him, he'll stay behind the the kitchen door, or he'll stay in the closet, or he'll stay over here. And I think that God is asking us to live a way more active lifestyle than what is actually shown right here. I think when Jesus asks us um, to remain in him, it's, it's this connotation that it's not about you just getting what you need and then leaving. It's not about you remaining in him for a moment and leaving. It's not Jesus said, remain in me until you get better and then you can leave. Remain in me until the habit stops and then you'll be good. Remain in me until you feel better and then you'll be good. Jesus isn't saying that you just need to get connected and leave. He's saying we need to stay connected, right? And I think oftentimes we come to Jesus and, and, and we use him like, like a vending machine. We get what we need and then we leave. But Jesus is never asking us to just get what we need and leave because as soon as we leave, we're gonna realize that he's the thing that we need. I don't think that Jesus is calling us to actually just, just get connected and then walk away from what he's actually calling us to do. And I think it speaks to a, a big issue in our hearts that, that might reveal something in me, or at least it did reveal something in me, that's talking about how often do I use God instead of love God? Am, am I really abiding in him? Am I really remaining in Christ? Or am I just seeing what Christ can get me out of? Am I just seeing if Christ can make me feel better? If this Jesus thing actually works? I, I think that sometimes we use, we use God like we use our phone chargers. To be, like, like what happens is, is we, we, we have our phone, we come up all of a sudden, and then at night, what do you do? You plug your phone in, you charge it up. And then as soon as you charge your phone up in the morning, you get up, you're about to go to work, you check your email, you unplug your phone, and all of a sudden you go throughout your day. 
And I think some of us use God in that same way because we're unplugging from what we need as the source. And then we go throughout our day dying. We plug in one week at church and then we unplug and go throughout our week dying until the next week, until the next charge, until we can plug up again. But in the meantime, we spend the entire week dying. We come to church so we can get our charge, so we can get fed, so I can get my little Jesus and I can feel better. But at the end of the day, we actually are just using God as a charger. And and I don't think that's ever what God meant for us to have a relationship with him about. I don't think that's what he wanted us to focus on. I think that God is asking us to remain in him and he will remain in us. I don't think God ever wants us to unplug from the outlet that is the Holy Spirit. I don't think he ever wants us to unplug from the outlet and go throughout our week trying to figure out when's the next time that I can plug in. I think that we don't have to unplug while we go throughout our weeks. I think if you're going to your school, you're going to your job, wherever you're at, that there should never be a time when you unplug from the source. And what that means is that Jesus said, I'm gonna say it again, if we remain in him, he'll remain in us. And I don't ever want us to be the type of church, to be the type of people who are plugging into God when we're dead, who are going to God in case of emergencies, who as soon as we start lacking some fruit in our lives, some production in our lives, that we all of the sudden go to Jesus to maybe just get a little kickstart. I don't think that we need to leave because we think we got what we need. And, and I think that some of us maybe sometimes, or at least I do, maybe go off residuals. Like, oh, that was a great conference. And I feel great, right? You feel great after you come to a great conference. And then all of a sudden, you're like, next week, on fire for Jesus. And then the next week goes and you don't read your Bible. And you're like, well, I did go to that conference and I'm still holding on to that word. Or, or that message at church was so good and I'm going to hold on. Or that, that discipleship meeting was so good. Or the thing I read in my Bible from the verse of the day three weeks ago was so good. I'm just holding on to that. And we hold on to the residuals of something. Hoping that, oh, well, since I got it a couple, since, since I charged up, well, since it happened over. And we start going off of residuals instead of the source. I don't think that God ever meant for us to be unplugged. Can you imagine if, if, just play a game with me. Jesus is talking about he is the vine and we are the branches. That Jesus is the thing that we need. He's the source. He's the thing that's giving us everything that we need to bear fruit. And if we're trying to find Jesus in fruitfulness, we need to understand first that he is the thing that's going to make us bear fruit. So when we get to that understanding, we, we oftentimes, or, or maybe sometimes, maybe I'm just talking about myself, but sometimes I think we can get to a point where we see that we are bearing fruit and then we stop doing the thing that makes us fruitful. We get to this success trap that says, I got to where I think I should be, my job, my relationship, my, my, my status, my followers, my friends, my, my whatever. We get to the place where we think we should be, and also we stop doing the thing that got us to that place. And can you imagine if all of a sudden we look at an apple tree and you see that one branch bearing a couple apples and then that one branch jumps off the tree? You, like, we'd be like, what the heck? Like, what the heck? What? But why would we be so surprised about that thing? Why would we be, be so astounded and so shocked that that one branch jumped off the tree? Why? Because that branch is going to die. That branch is going to, that branch intentionally disconnected from the thing that made it bear fruit because I think that maybe, oh man, I did this on my man. Come on. Oh, I'm bearing some fruit. Oh, I got, I got this job and 
or I got this girl, or I got this, or I got this, these followers, or I got this. And I'm wondering how many of us are jumping off the vine, are disconnecting from the source, are releasing the thing that's actually giving us life because we have seemed to gotten a little bit of fruit. Because we have maybe been a, a little bit successful or, or we've gotten some recognition. Or our life has, has gotten a little bit better. And then we cease to remain. I think if we want to retain, we need to remain. I think if we're trying to keep what God is giving you, then you need to keep doing what God is asking you to do. I don't think that God is concerned with us just giving him our Sundays or giving him our Wednesdays if we're really good Christians or giving him maybe the verse of the day. I don't think God is really concerned with all these extracurricular religious activities that we can provide him. I think that Jesus is more so concerned with what he said in John when that guy came up to him and he said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And I am sure that this guy came to Jesus and he went up to him like we go to a teacher and we say something like, hey, teacher, what, like, you know, like, uh, maybe this is just me, I'll speak for myself. You, like, you're failing a class, right? And all of a sudden you're failing a class, and then you realize you're failing the class, and then you go and calculate your grade in the class, and you're like, what's the minimum grade I need to get so I can pass the class? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, okay, I have a D, I need to get a blank on the final so I don't fail the class. And we all do that, and if you haven't, it's okay, you don't have to be honest, I'll be honest for you. But we are all, we've been in that position. And so then we calculate, what's the minimum thing that I can do in order to pass? And I think that's what this guy was saying to Jesus. He said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? Like, what is, what's the greatest thing that I can do? And I'm sure he went to Jesus and he was, he was wondering and he was asking because he was trying to figure out what is the minimum I can do and still pass Christianity? And Jesus responds to him, not with, you need to go on mission trips, not with, you need to read your Bible or you need to study more. It's not about that you need to give more. It's, it's not about that you need to respect. It's not about that you, no. Jesus said, that you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And when I hear that, I, I think of all the religious activity that we do to bear fruit, all the, all the extracurricular things that we're trying to add so that we become successful, so that Jesus is pleased with us, but as much as I can realize, I see in the Bible that Jesus is more so saying, all I'm asking for you to do is remain in me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really concerned with, with how well you can behave or how moral you are or how successful you are or how good you've been the past couple weeks. I think he's way more concerned with, do you love me? Do you love my people? Are you remaining in me? Because if you're remaining in me, then I'm going to remain in you. I don't think that we need to leave because we think we got what we need. And I don't think that we should go off of residuals. Something that spoke to me is that if we remain in God and he remains in us and we have everything that we need and he's the vine and we're the branches and we're lacking nothing in him, that we don't necessarily need to worry about where we are at now, whether you're on a mountain or whether you're in a valley. 
Whether you're at the best or the worst, it's God's sustaining grace that is keeping you. Whether we are pointing fingers at this, this, or that, saying this is the reason I'm successful or this is the reason I'm failing, we need to stop pointing fingers and I think we need to start raising hands to Jesus. I think we don't need to know any longer look at situations and say that this is why I'm in this place. I don't think we need to, 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 to try and figure out how can we get more fruit without surrendering to Jesus. I think it's more so about how can we stop pointing to everything else and start lifting hands and worshiping. Jesus. Wherever you're at, I really do believe that it's Jesus's sustaining grace. It's the Father's grace that is sustaining you through whatever season you're in. That whether you are in a valley or whether you're on a mountain, it's Jesus who is sustaining you. Whether you are at the best point of your life or the worst point of your life, whether you are lost and you don't know what's happening tomorrow, whether you just got the biggest raise or the best grade or the best news, it is Jesus's grace that is pushing you through, that is carrying you through. And I think if we forget that truth, that is when we start to hop off the vine. I hope that encourages somebody because when Jesus called us, he, didn't, he, he never said that our lives would be perfect. He never said it would even be easy. He said, hey, by the way, the world hates me. They're going to hate you too. <laughs> He, he, he never said that our lives would be storm-free. I just think that he said it would be storm-proof because we have the ultimate insurance that's in Jesus. If we remain in him and he remains in us, we will bear much fruit. And here's the thing. If we aren't bearing fruit, it's not always that the conditions are right. Could it be maybe that our condition isn't right? If we aren't bearing fruit, could it possibly be not the conditions that we are in, but the condition that we are in? Could it possibly be that we might be looking at the wrong things, that we might be remaining in the wrong things? I don't think that we should continue to blame our facts for our famine. I don't think that God is really asking us to look at what's going on around us and say why we are not producing fruit. Because as soon, I, I seem to recall maybe in the Bible that it says, uh, right here, come on, First uh, Corinthians 3, First Corinthians 3, it says this, that, um, oh, I lost it again, come on now, <laughs> it's he's who, uh, he was planted by streams of water, come on, y'all know this with me, that we are supposed to bear fruit in and out of season, that there is not a season when we are not supposed to be bearing fruit, that there's not a time when we are not supposed to be bearing fruit. And I think some of us blame our facts for our famine when Jesus is saying, I'm not really concerned with the facts at all. I'm not really worried about what's going on with your facts at all. I'm, I'm saying that man waters, man plants, but it's God who gives the increase. So what do your facts have against so what is your circumstance telling you that is contrary to what your God is telling you? That I've been planting, I've been sowing, but I know that it's God who's going to give the increase. If God gives the increase also, and, and this might be, okay, I'm just going to say it. If God gives the increase, he also doesn't give the increase, Right? If God is the one who is going to increase something, that also means that he probably will not increase some things. 
So if we find ourselves in knowing with a, without a shadow of a doubt that it is God who gives the increase, could it be possible that we are trying to increase something that God is trying to decrease? Could it be possible that there is some things in our life that we are watering that God is trying to prune? Could it be that we might be trying to give life to something that God might be trying to let die? If God is the one who gives the increase, then he's also the one who doesn't give the increase. And if we are remaining in him and he is remaining in us, then we are gonna bear fruit. So let me tell you something. If you're not bearing fruit in a certain time, it could it be that you are not remaining in him or maybe God is trying to prune something off of you. Maybe he's trying to increase your capacity by decreasing something that is holding you back. I think we need to quit watering things that God's trying to prune. Because I really do think that some things in our life are better left cut off. Because if God's the one who's going to provide the fruit, if God's the one who's going to give us the increase, then all my job is to do is just to remain in him. It says in Ezekiel 47.2, and as I close, that we are supposed to bear fruit. Here, I'm just going to read it real quick. It says in Ezekiel 47.12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water is from the sanctuary that flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And the thing I want us to catch is every month they will bear fruit. I don't know if you guys know, and maybe you're missing dad's analogies about his garden, but I'll give you a little um, taste on, on what it takes to, to get fruit out of something. Normal things aren't supposed to bear fruit every month. That's just not the way it's supposed to go. You're not supposed to bear fruit outside of the season. But we see in this chapter, in, the, in this part right here, it says that they will bear fruit every month. What, what that tells me is that our breakthrough should be often. That we shouldn't settle for just, oh, my one time a year, I'm going to go to that conference, I'm going to go to that camp, I'm going to have my moment with Jesus, and I'm going to get my revelation, and I'm going to wait till my next season to bear fruit. But I think that our, bear, our breakthrough should be often. I think people should be looking at us and saying, didn't you just have a reconciled relationship last month? Wait, didn't you just receive healing for that disease last month? Wait, didn't you just receive that job offer last month? Why, why, is, why are you bearing so much fruit? Didn't this just happen? For, I think that Christians should be known for bearing fruit in and out of season. Why? Because in Ezekiel 47, 12, it says that we should be bearing fruit every month. And how many of us are settling? And I honestly think we're settling for something that God never called us to settle for. We're saying, God, you can do one miracle a year. We might not say that with our mouths, but we say it with our lives. God, you can do one miracle a year. Or you can do one revelation a year. Or you can do one thing a year in my family. But how many of us can increase our faith tonight to say maybe, just maybe, that we serve a God of more than enough and a God who might actually want to give us breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in and out of season. I think that's the life that God is calling us to live. 
Our fruit bearing can be regular instead of like once a season like everybody else. Because I think if we disconnect, I, I think apart, it says in, um, it, it, we, don't, we don't have time. It says, apart from the vine, I can do nothing. Apart from the vine, I can do nothing. And I think some, I, I can read that and I can, I can get a little prideful and I can say, well, I can do some things. <laughs> right? Like, I can do nothing. But I really don't want to let my pride get in the way of my production. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And although I might think that I can do some things, I, will, I want to submit my spirit to God and say, no, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I don't want to let my pride get in the way of my production. As I close, is, is there, yeah, because you appreciate you, bro. I love you so much, bro. It says in verse 8 of John 15, it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to your glory that you bear Oh, wait. No, okay. This is to your family's glory. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait, this is for your church's glory that you bear. This is for your company's glory. This is for your relationship's glory. This is for my father's glory that you would bear much fruit. I don't ever want us to bear fruit in Jesus' name for our glory. This is for my Father's glory. That job that you got is not for your glory. It's not for your family's glory. It's not so that you can live a more comfortable life. That relationship is not so that you can feel better about yourself and that so your loneliness can be taken away. This reconciled relationship is not so that you don't have stress when you go to family functions anymore. This newfound relationship is not for your glory. It's for my father's glory. And when I read this, I I find myself thinking so often, how many times am I doing, thing in, doing things in Jesus' name for my glory? How many times am I trying to produce something in Jesus' name so that somebody will recognize me? I think that God is calling us to reflect that glory back to him. This isn't for our glory. Us bearing fruit in and out of season, it's not so that we can look impressive. It's not so that we can tell everybody what good Christians we are or how holy we are. This is for our Father's glory, that they would know that we are His disciples. I think Jesus said this because we need protection from ourselves. That when we bear fruit, and if you're a Christian, you're expected to bear fruit. That when we bear fruit, 
we would know that it wasn't us in the first place. And the question I want to leave us with that I actually want to answer is in verse 10. And it says, I'm wondering, how do we stay plugged in? How do we remain? How do we abide? I found myself using God and disconnecting from him during the week and plugging in on Sunday. You would, you would see me through the week and people would tell you a completely different story than what I looked like on Sunday. And it says in John 15, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. I think the way that we remain in his love is that we keep his commandments. And what was Jesus's greatest commandment to us? That you can love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And that you love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said that if we remain in him, he will remain in us. Jesus makes it real simple. And I believe that God is calling all of us in this room, not just the expert Christians not just the ones who come on a regular basis, not the ones who do their holy activities and keep the things that they think they should do, but he's calling all of us to remain in him. And he's so gracious that he asks us to remain in him and we will bear more fruit. I think that's where we find Jesus. And as we're leading up to Easter, I think that we can all practice this in a practical way by asking the Holy Spirit How do you want me to remain in you? And where have I disconnected? Where have I jumped off the vine? And where do you want me to reconnect? Where do you want me to bear fruit in Jesus' name for his Father's glory? Because I think that's the life that God has called all of us to live. Amen. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you so much. We love you so much, but more importantly, you love us. (laughs) God, that you are the type of God that died for sinners, that died for his enemies. Jesus, that's a love that we will never understand the sacrifice that we could never comprehend. Jesus, and all you're asking us to do is to love the one who first loved us. Jesus, you are so big, you are so real, you are so beautiful.